It is my pleasure to uh, introduce a friend of mine to you. His name is Paul Harshbarger. Uh, and let me back up just a second. Josh is taking some time off to refresh and taking a little vacation time. So um, we tried to find someone who would be uh, qualified to uh, fill Josh's shoes for this Sunday. Uh, we weren't able to do that, so I invited Paul to come. <laughs> and uh, was that all right, Paulie? Is that how you told me to do it? Yeah. Paul is a good friend. Uh, he has uh, pastored for years. He's, he's uh, been a church planter. Um, I currently work with Paul at Samaritan Ministries, and it's just a joy to know him. Uh, he's a fun-loving guy, but uh, he, he's a great guy, and you'll love him as well. And, Paul, it is so great to have you here uh, to speak to us this morning. Why don't you come on up and share with us what God's laid on your heart this morning. <laughs> yeah, I got a text last night, and uh, Doug asked if I could come speak. Um, <laughs> Like to give me lots and lots of time to prepare, so appreciate that, Doug. That's great. That's great. Well, uh, all joking aside, it is a joy for me to, to be here and a privilege for me to be able to share God's truth uh, this morning. Uh, to me, this is the most important thing anybody could do, and so I'm honored that uh, I've been given that opportunity to, uh, to do that this morning. So let's, uh, let's just take just a moment and invite the Lord to, to speak to us. Would you join me? Lord, we love you today. We thank you for this time of worship that we've been able to spend in your presence, God. And Lord, this morning we come. We come as needy folks longing to hear from you. And God, we would just ask that your spirit would have his way, that you would speak to us this morning so that we might be more like Jesus, having spent these next few moments with you. And we'll be careful to thank you and to praise you. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it is a good thing that uh, the Super Bowl starts later this afternoon because along with the text, Doug said I had five hours to be able to preach. So you guys got the text to bring your lunch, right? Now, I, th I think we should be able to get it done in three to four hours. So, so that'll give you a little extra, extra time. Chicken and a hog were um, walking down the road when they happened upon a church, and there was the sign out front. The sign read like this, Brotherhood meeting, ham and eggs. The chicken looked at the hog and said, Wow, that's great. Let's go in and make a contribution. And the hog turned back to the chicken and said, uh, For you it might be a contribution, but for me it's a sacrifice. And that little story illustrates, I believe, what God wants us to see from his word this morning. We're going to find out that sacrifice and greatness must go together. In fact, if you and I are going to ever achieve greatness, it's going to take sacrifice. Sacrifice. You see, sacrifice is the investment for greatness. And being the hog in the story is what sacrifice is all about. Now, before we jump in to see what Jesus has to say, let's talk just for a second about greatness. How many of you would like to be great? 
we have, we have a myriad, a church full of humble folk. That's very nice. Very nice. I'm willing to suggest that probably more than two of us want to be great. Um, we may not, you know, be so outward about it. But deep within us is this tug of humanity that wants to be great. We want to be identified as being great. You know, as I stopped to think about what could I share in the 12 hours I was given to prepare um, for this morning, I thought, well, it's the Super Bowl Sunday, and, and so why not talk about greatness? If you've listened to any kind of sports radio or TV, I'm a sports junkie, so that's pretty much all I listen to. Um, they've been bantering for the last two weeks as to who is the greatest NFL quarterback. And as you can imagine, there's a lot of opinion out there about that. And those who are from uh, more of a historian perspective might say, well, you know, it, it, it's got to be Bart Starr or, or Johnny Unitas or, or maybe Terry Bradshaw or, or Roger Staubach. And the younger guys might say, well, no, no, no. It's Dan Marino or, or Joe Montana or John Elway or Bart Starr. I mean, Brett Favre. <laughs> Sorry. Same team, uh, different era. Um, just wanted to see if Cameron was listening back there. See. Or maybe even Tom Brady. <laughs> I like this crowd. You guys are awake. The first folks, they were great folks. They didn't say anything. Um, was sure... I wasn't even sure they were awake, you know. But uh, now, if you took a poll today in uh, the city of Indianapolis, and maybe even in Denver, who might they say is the greatest quarterback? Yeah, number 18, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Now, who's the greatest? I don't have any idea. You know, I do know this. I grew up outside of Tampa, Florida, and the Buccaneers have never had the greatest quarterback. Yeah, so we don't even have a horse in the race. It's sad. Sad but true. But you know what? Um, even though I can't tell you who's the greatest, I do know this about greatness, that many times as human beings we have this idea that being great is kind of that elusive kind of thing. That it's designed and, and, and it's only for just a select few. And they've kind of got their little club, you know, like those quarterbacks we just mentioned. But deep down inside, I, I, would, I would venture to say that most of us want to be great. I want to be a great husband and a great father. I want to, to be a great friend and contrary to what some folks have said at Samaritan, a great employee. I want to be a great referee and a great golfer. And what about you? What, what do you want to be great at? When you stop and you boil it all down, this whole greatness thing comes down to this simple desire for something more. We want more, don't we? We want more. We want something deeper. We want something more meaningful in our lives. 
You see, we don't want our friendships simply to be average. We don't want our marriage to simply be a routine. We don't want our careers to be unfulfilling. And you don't want your habits or your addictions to define you, do you? No. We want more. We want more. Well, I can't wait to dive into the scripture with you this morning. Because in Mark chapter 10, Jesus tells us what the more is. He shows us the how-to that matches our want-to. He has this encounter with a rich young man that has eternal implications. So if you haven't opened your Bible yet to, to Mark chapter 10, I want to encourage you to come there with me. And let's see what Jesus has to say. If we're going to understand greatness from Jesus' perspective, the first thing that we have to understand is that good is not enough. Good is not enough. Let's begin reading in verse 17. And as he was sitting, setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, right out of the chute, I, I'm drawn to this guy. I like him. You see, because here's a guy that comes running up to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, Jesus. You know, there are multitudes of encounters within the Gospels. And most of them, people are pretty timid. Most of them, they're shy. They want to sneak through the crowd and just touch the hem of his garment. But not this guy. No, he's a go-getter. He's aggressive. He wants to talk to Jesus. He's ambitious. He's got attitude and passion. And you know what? If he was around today, he would have been on the Survivor, the Apprentice, and the Amazing Race all at the same time. That's the kind of guy we got. And what I love most about him is that he was genuine. He was for real. He was for real. And with his chest still heaving from being out of breath, he asked Jesus the most important question about eternal life. And my guess is that he was looking for a quick fix for as human beings isn't that what we want okay just just outline it for me jesus in three quick steps and i'll be sure to go do that and it'll all be done right well what does jesus have to say look at verses 18 and 19 jesus said to him why do you call me good no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Right there, Jesus is doing what any good rabbi or Jewish teacher would do. He's taking this guy who grew up in this Jewish culture, and he's taking him right back to the Old Testament law. 
He's saying, you know what the Old Testament has to say. If you obey the commandments, you will live. You will live. Now, today, isn't that what we've been trained to do when we share our faith with others? When we witness? We take folks back to the Ten Commandments. And why do we do that? To show them they have a need for a Savior. See, because no one can keep the Ten Commandments. I had the privilege several years ago of being a part of a ministry called Third Airborne Division. And um, we had a little simple uh, strategy. We would go to the mall during lunchtime. And we would buy the biggest pizza we could find there. And then strategically, we would put it on the table closest to the door. And wait for people to come in. And people would come by and oftentimes they would stop and they would look because, you know, pizza kind of is inviting. And sometimes they would even ask two guys with this huge old pie in front of them, what, what are you guys doing? But if they didn't ask, we would ask them, hey, you want a slice of pizza? And believe it or not, people would stop. And they'd pull up a chair, and they'd have some pizza with us. And it was great. We'd start a dialogue with them, just talking about life. And, and pretty soon, one of us would start sharing our faith with him. And every time, we'd head back to the Old Testament, back to the Ten Commandments. Because most people think they're pretty good. So Jesus does the very same thing here. He does the very same thing. This man, like all of us, needed to see himself in the context of God's perfect character. Look at verse 20. And he, the rich young guy, said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. I got, it, I got it all taken care of. I've done all of that, he says. And he thinks he's okay. He thinks he's, he's got it all figured out, much like many folks today. But you know, if you happen to be in the crowd that day and you overheard this conversation between Jesus and the rich young man, you might have been thinking to yourself, huh, yeah, right. You've kept it all right. You mean to tell me when you were in Abacus 2 class and it was time for the final exam and you weren't quite as prepared as you thought you were and you had the test there and you were confused and you didn't know the answer, you didn't look over your shoulder at the beads of another guy and see what it was? Or wait, wait, tell me for just a second. When your mom and dad told you to go outside and feed the camel, you didn't roll your eyes. You didn't give them a face. You didn't say, yeah, okay, just a minute. You just jumped right up and did what they said. <laughs> yeah, right, right. This guy was basically saying, 
you know, Jesus, I, I'm perfect. I've, I've done all those things. I like what John MacArthur writes in his commentary when he said, he may have been blameless in terms of external actions, but not in terms of internal attitudes and motives. In other words, he might have been able to do all the right things on the outside where people can see. But what was going on inside? What was going on with the real him? And Jesus was telling him, you know, being good is not enough. Friends, if you and I want to be good, that's the first thing that we need to understand as well. Being good is not enough. Now, while I'm ready to fillet this guy, you know, because he's not being honest, Jesus has quite a different approach. He sees this man in a completely different vein. And he tells this guy, you need to get rid of the obstacles. Get rid of the obstacles. Look at verse 21. And Jesus looking at him, loved him. Stop for just a second right there. Jesus looks at this guy, and he loves him. He loves him. He felt genuine love for this man. See, the supernatural eyes of God pierced into his face and felt genuine love and compassion for this guy. He looked beyond all of his sins and his faults and his fears and his failures and all of his inadequacies. He looked right into his soul for who he really was and he loved him. It's amazing to me. Jesus Jesus didn't allow this man's response to negate his need. When you stop and you think about it, isn't that how Jesus acts with us? Doesn't he do the very same thing with us and look beyond all of our insufficiencies and see our very soul and still love us? Aren't you thankful for that? You see, love caught the attention of his heart before he ever engaged his lips. And look at what Jesus then says, 21 again. He said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. How's that for a little bit of whiplash? This isn't at all what this guy was anticipating. He was once all excited to see Jesus, and now he's not so sure. The Bible doesn't tell us what tone that Jesus used when he was speaking with this man, but I have to believe because it does say that he had compassion and love for this man that he must have been speaking to him in a tender tone of voice. 
saying, just go and, and sell all that you have. And then come, follow me. You'll have treasure in heaven and in earth. Come, follow me. But was that what the guy wanted to hear? No. Jesus does what he always does. And in the midst of the moment, when it's crunch time, rather than cave to what this guy would rather have said, rather than soft shoe it and just being quiet about it, Jesus tells him the truth. He speaks right into his life with the truth. You see, he knew what it was going to take to challenge this man. And he wasn't, he wasn't going to step aside from that. When you stop to think about it, what Jesus is trying to get this man to see was that the issue was simply this. Will you let me be the Lord of your life? Will you submit yourself to the Lordship of Christ? And he knew. He knew. This was a rich young man. If he really wanted what he was looking for, he was going to have to make a sacrifice from that which he loved the most. So how does he respond? Verse 22. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful. Why? Because he had lots of stuff. He had great possessions. In the NIV, the word uh, translated there says that his face fell. Meaning like the sky becoming um, overcast in anticipation of the storm. Kind of like what happened around here on Friday morning. You remember Friday morning? It was pretty nice. Sun was out. Everything was cool. I'm sitting at my desk doing my thing. I'm not sure what that is, but I was doing it. Um, and out the window, the, the sky began to get grayer and grayer and grayer and grayer until this funny-looking white stuff started Flying from the clouds. Now, as a Floridian, I grew up outside of Tampa. My face fell. Okay? We outlawed that funny looking white stuff years ago. That's what's going on with this guy. He's hearing what Jesus has to say, and his countenance is just slowly fading because he knows he's been given much. And the sacrifice that Jesus is calling to him is great. See, Jesus was calling him to something completely different than what he had in mind. And he knew he just couldn't do it. 
He wasn't willing to make that sacrifice. And so quietly he turns and he walks away. That leads us to our last point. Being good is not enough, so we must get rid of the obstacles because greatness requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice. And as this rich young man walks away, Jesus sees, I've got this incredible teaching moment in front of me. My disciples are here, and I don't want them to miss what is truly happening. And so in verse 23... Jesus says this. He looked around and he said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. That word there that's translated amazed is the word that literally means they were surprised. Now, how is that? How on earth could these guys that walked and talked and lived with Jesus, how could they be surprised at what Jesus was telling this man? Well, here's how. In the Jewish culture, having wealth, being given land and houses and all of those material possessions, in the Jewish culture, was a blessing from God. It was an advantage rather than a barrier to getting to God. And so here here are these Jewish followers of Jesus trying to figure out, wow, he's, he's saying something completely different than my experience. So Jesus gives him an illustration. He said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus is being very subtle here, but I'm not sure that we caught it. (laughs) In fact, he's using humor, but none of you laughed. You stop and think about it for a second. He's telling them, I want you to get the biggest animal in all of Palestine, which is a camel, and I want you to put him through the eye of a needle. You know, about that big. You're still not getting it. If he was here today, he might say, go get that Hummer and put it through the doggy door. <laughs> yeah, right, Jesus. That's funny, right? The Hummer's not going through that doggy door. See, what he was saying was that wealth and possessions or anything like that. That's not what it's about. No one, all of us included can be saved by our wealth, by our achievement, by our positions, by our possessions. None of that can save us. You see, it's utterly impossible for me to save me. But with God, 
It's all possible. Look at verse 26. And they were astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? They were astonished. The the word there was a different word used that meant they were astounded. They were struck out of their senses. They were simply overwhelmed by what Jesus was saying. They were perplexed. You know, they're trying to connect the dots in their minds. Judaism says, if I got all this stuff, I'm blessed by God. Jesus says, if I got all this stuff, I need to give it away so that I can be close to God. In verse 27, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it's impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. All things. All things. I can't save myself. I can't be good enough, right? To be good enough, I'd have to be perfect. And as my friends from Samaritan will tell you, I'm less than that. I'm not. So there's no way. There's no way on my own. But with God, all things are possible. With God. See, for this rich guy, he wanted him to understand that following me means that you're going to allow me to occupy the driver's seat in your life. I'm going to be number one. And that was was just too much. That was too much. And you know what, dear friends? The truth is still the same for us today. Still today, Jesus looks at us and he says, will you allow me To be number one. Will you allow me to drive the car? To call the shots? To pilot the airplane of your life? Verse 28. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. As if if the Son of God, Jesus Christ, needed to be reminded that Peter and his friends gave up everything to follow him. It's kind of like Peter was saying, Jesus, Jesus, don't you forget, I had a fishing business, but I gave it all up to follow you. And, And Matthew over there, he worked for the government. He had a very good paying job, but he gave all that up to follow you. How does Jesus respond? Verse 29. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. 
Now, I went to Bible college. I'm no math major, okay? But I like Jesus' math here. Because Jesus didn't just say, I'll give you 100% more. That would be like me handing Adam a $5 bill. If I gave him 100% more, that would, I'd give him what? Another $5 bill, right? No. It'd be like me giving Adam a $5 bill, and then I'm going to give him 100 times more, and so I'd have to go to Cameron and borrow five Benjamins and give them to Adam. 500. Now, I don't trade on the New York Stock Exchange, but that seems to be a really good investment, doesn't it? Are you beginning to see that sacrifice is the investment to greatness? See, I think Jesus wants us to catch that. Sacrifice is the investment to greatness. Adoniram Judson, the great missionary, once said about success in serving God, he said, there is no success without sacrifice. No success without sacrifice. See, it's not about what we do or who we are or what we've got. When it comes to greatness, it's all about sacrifice so that God can do what He wants in our lives. Now, I hope that this morning you can see that greatness is not an exclusive club. A lot of people have the appearance of greatness today. But they haven't sacrificed. They don't have a relationship with God. And when eternity rolls around, they're going to be the least. Because Jesus is saying... Sacrifice honors God. And God, in turn, honors the sacrifice that we make for Him. C.T. Studd was a missionary years ago in China and in India and in Africa. And he said this, If Jesus Christ is God and He died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for Him. You stop and you think about that. Isn't that true? If indeed he is God and he died for me, then then no sacrifice that I can make would ever be too much, too great. So let me ask you for just a second. Stop and think about your life, okay? Not the person next to you or in front of you or behind you, but your own life. What is God calling you to sacrifice so that you might know his greatness in your life? What is it today? Maybe you're thinking, well, I I don't know. I never thought about that. Let me give you some ideas that kind of will help you spin your mind for a second and think about this. You're a teenager. 
You may need to sacrifice some of your friendships that you know aren't good for you. If you're in the marketplace, you're working overtime to make a good reputation for yourself. You may need to, to sacrifice the illusion of success to discover what significance is by Jesus' definition. If you're addicted to something, you may need to sacrifice your pride and, and, and beg a friend to help you be released from that prison that you're trapped in. And if you find yourself much like the rich guy, life seems to be all about the stuff. You may need to sacrifice and lose your grip on your possessions so that you can grip tightly onto God. I don't know what it is for you, friend, but I can tell you this, that the promises of God are true. When you and I sacrifice, we're going to be blessed by the sacrifice that we make. For sacrifice is the investment to greatness. So, Super Bowl Sunday. Who's going to be the greatest? Will it be Manning? Wilson? Will it be Seattle or Denver? I'll let you out early so you can go find out, okay? I don't know. But one... You stop and you think about you. When it comes to greatness, are you like the chicken? Are you like the hog? Have you settled just to make a simple contribution? It doesn't cost very much. It's pretty easy to do. Just drop off a few eggs here and we'll be on our way. Are you more like the hog saying, okay, God, here I am. You can have all of me. Take it all. I give you everything you use me do with me as you will good's not enough so get rid of the obstacles because sacrifice is the way to greatness father I pray this morning that you would you would drive this truth home in our lives God, we confess it is so easy. It is so easy to be consumed by our culture just like this rich young man was. Madison Avenue tells us today that we need more stuff. This and that and the other thing. And forgive us, God, for falling prey to that at times. Pray that this morning you would help us to sacrifice whatever it is that is keeping us from knowing you better and following you more earnestly in our lives. God, I pray that, that Lord, we would not be like that rich young man who understood the call but was unwilling to make it and turned and walked away. 
God, would you help us? Would you help us to be like the hog and to willingly give it all to you so that you could take us and use us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.